On this podcast, we talk to thought leaders about feminine and masculine energy and how it shows up in our business, our parenting, and especially our relationships. We'll dig deep on any and all topics under the sun. Grab a coffee and buckle up. This is the She's the Owner podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. It's Kara with the She's the Owner podcast, and um, I'm so excited and humbled and all kinds of feels um, for our guest today. So Alison Armstrong um, is with us, and she, to me, is the epitome of feminine energy or, or understanding men and women in their energies. But really, when I and I just mentioned to her, I saw her at uh, one of Tony's events recently, Date with Destiny, and I'd already had a, a good idea of who she was and she walked by and she like floats across the floor which is like to me <laughs> that's my goal is to float like that um just a stunning that's a good trick in cowboy boots i had cowboy I, boots and, and they were day. let me tell you i don't even like cowboy <laughs> boots but those were fierce cowboy boots for sure so welcome to the show thank you, thank you. Um, glad to be here. so let's let's just get into it because I don't want to, I don't want to miss any time. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that you can connect with Allison on her, her website um, and all that information at the end of the show. So a couple of things I just started with. So you've been working with men and women for, I guess, almost 30 years. Um, I was just listening to one of uh, another YouTube video and it was almost 30 yeah. years, like next year will be 30 years. Yeah. February, it'll be 30 years since I started studying wow. men. Amazing. Yeah. So and, and what I was reading is that you started to, you, you know, the first thing was like, why am I bringing up the, you know, frog farmer, right? Why am I bringing up the worst in guys and men? And then you eventually evolved to study women because obviously that just sort of makes sense. But so my first question is, is about women and then we'll get into the guys. But yeah. in the last 30 years, how have you seen women and how we show up in feminine energy, let's say, how have you seen it shift in the last three decades from what it was to what the type of women and the type of things you hear us saying now. I'm sure it's evolved a lot. It has. Um, nobody's asked me that question, Kara. It's pretty cool. Um, so in the beginning, right? So 1991, and I was born in 1960. So, so I grew up, like, I was a teen preteen and teen during that surge, right, of feminism. And I, my, I remember my mother dancing around the kitchen singing, anything you can do, I can do better. Mm. I can do anything better than you. And, and having the distinct impression that a woman needed a man, like had to have a man. A woman had to have a man. But she wasn't supposed to need him for anything because she was better than him at everything. So you had one like, like a possession, right. <laughs> like I have a car, a house, and a man, and um, but you didn't need them because they're despicable and couldn't be trusted and were stupid and worthless anyway. Um, but you had to have one. Very confusing, very confusing, and um, and I was taught to be coquettish and seductive and mysterious. Mm. mysterious and uh you have to be mysterious i found out the more open and honest and direct i am with men the more mysterious they find me <laughs> <laughs> they're like who are you what 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 
My sweetheart said last week, well, you have proven over and over again that you say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm. Yeah, I'm committed to that, right? Say what I mean and mean what I say. But it's, it's completely mysterious. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, right? So uh, what I've noticed is that back then, femininity was fluff. So in 1991, femininity was fluff, it was weak, it was superfluous, it was ridiculous, it was uh, it was considered like something that was demanded of women from men, so you sh for sure shouldn't do it for that reason. And a lot, I spent a lot of time in the first about 20 years actually, trying to have women see femininity through the lens that men had shared with me. Because femininity to men is not fluff. It's priceless. It's, as one man said, it's color in a black and white world. And they were the ones that taught me about what I call feminine forms of power. That there are ways of being that are consistent with our physiology, consistent with our the way that our brains are affected by estrogen. Just, I'm sorry, that's the aspen banging against the window with this huge gust of wind. Um, so it, I mean, they just kept talking about the power of femininity and the priceless of femininity. And one man said, I wanna do everything for my wife that I can do so she can be everything I could never be. Yeah. And we talked wow. about women in, yeah, we talked about women in the workplace. And they would tell me the difference between a woman in the workplace who was a man in a skirt versus a woman in the workplace who embraced being a woman in the workplace. And and the power of that and how I mean, they'd always say, I love the different points of view that they bring. I love that they think differently. I love that they see things I would never see. And, and the life that they can bring to the place and the play and the fun that they can bring to the place and, and the energy, how the energy, they can cause the energy to lift. They also can make it crush. But they were always talking to me about what a profound effect women have. And I mean, that is the definition of power. The definition of power is the ability to affect. Mm -hmm. And... So they had me start to see feminine forms of power and the power of femininity. And now what's fun is like you, there are so many women who for a lot of different reasons are curious about femininity, um, daring to inquire, to develop it. How do I find it? How do I be that? Um, there's still some, I don't know if I want to be that weak, right? There's, There's a lot. Some. There's a lot There's, of those still. Well, I tend to not attract them. Since, I, I'm uh, trying to I'm bring them in the so we can shift yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. But there is yeah, a lot. It, yeah. But, and there's, but there's still, it, I would say that it's now a conversation, right? Totally. It's, you can have a podcast about it. You can, I can do interviews about it. It's now a conversation about mm. this thing called feminine. And, it's so funny, Kara, because I stopped talking about masculinity and femininity four years ago. Mm -hmm. 
because there was so much misunderstanding about it and so right. much baggage, right? I was just done with fighting the baggage. But I still talk about feminine forms of power because that they are in fact unique. So that's wow. how I see something. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I talk about often is, so I, I grew up in the 80s and I saw a lot of media was very much geared toward we don't need a man, we can get our own careers, our own money, our own this, our own that. And so now at 44, there's this narrative, you know, with, you know, we make jokes, but it's the shaking of the head and the snap and I don't need a man. I don't, you know, all that type of thing. And, and I think, yeah. And I think that's the thing that is jarring to women now because for a long time, these women have said, well, I don't need a man. And so the man is like, okay, if you don't need me, I'll go over to that camp where maybe they do need me and they do want, and they do want to feel that. Cause I always say, um, Men, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my feeling is, and through my research and, and learning, is that men just want to make us happy. And we make it really hard on them a lot of the time. And maybe that's, we've not been taught or whatever, but I mean, my mom and my dad, my, my mother was the breadwinner of the house. Mm-hmm. She was always in her masculine, but she caused so many so much drama. They've both passed now, but she's so much drama trying to get my dad to step up in his masculine or, or in his manhood. But they didn't know any any of this. Like the, it wasn't a conversation then. And so, talk a bit about: Have men changed all that much, or are they pretty much the same as they've always been? And it's talk a little bit about the shift that you maybe because I feel like there's a lot of men now who are openly owning this. You know kingdomhood of themselves but has that always been the way or and we've just been blind to it or is it shifting now i think it is shifted quite a bit in in both what i would think a good and a bad direction um but also have to understand have you studied the stages of development have you listened to the amazing development men or the red keys of kingdom no, I Queen's Code, but not not Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, strongly recommend it, um, especially because we have found out that women are subject to the stages of development to the extent that we're in hunting mode and pursuing careers, or in my case, a woman with a mission, right? And um, but but what we've seen because of the stages of development and because of the effects of testosterone, men's brains reconfigure so when they get into their 50s and 60s and their testosterone levels drop off literally the walls that keep everything in their compartment in their brain the walls are dissolving and what's happening is the verbal centers are connecting to every other part of the brain and all of a sudden they have access to um, expressing their emotions to finding and articulating their feelings, to um, capturing their and, are, and speaking their wisdom. Like they've, they've gathered this knowledge for decades and now all of a sudden the knowledge and their heart and their feelings and their verbal abilities are all coming out in, in wisdom and poetry. And wow. yeah, it's beautiful and it's, People may think it's cultural, but it's not. It's actually, I mean, we've had the wise men and the shamans in every tribe forever, right? So it's it's something that's happening 
biologically, but we have such a large cultural conversation, right? And um, so there's that that I see, and and they tend to refer to it the way that our culture does. Like I'm developing, you know, I, I see that my life would be richer if I worked on developing the feminine in me. I'll say something right. like that. It'd be more satisfying or fulfilling. Um, back in the 90s, when I was first talking about this, and I, we had learned about the characteristic called single focus, and I, I <laughs> there were men who literally said to me, I'm focused on developing my feminine. <laughs> and I was just cracking up, like, in a very masculine way, he's trying to develop femininity. Right? <laughs> and, and what's really cool about the way that we've been talking about it lately um, now we talk about them as modes, right? Hunting modes and gathering modes. And one's a committed state and one's an open state. And now there's a language that's helping men access what they might have called feminine before, which would have seemed weak. And right. instead are accessing a different consciousness that is open to options and alternative and, alternatives and possibility and is available for, for connection. And it, it needs connection, and that they're naturally that way when they're at play. Right. So having a specific result or destination, right, or goal is what puts them in that committed state, and they generally go from one committed state to another committed state. But if they can consciously have no results to produce, I'm just going to be present. Right. All of a sudden they have access to what's more natural for an estrogen search. So many mic drop moments already. <laughs> so then, then my next question would be, that's wonderful for the 45 and up demographic. What about the 20 something year olds? I mean, I know that's a funny, it's a funny age anyway for men and women, but I mean, you often see young women I don't know if this has always been this way, but more so lately with the internet, et cetera, that they're, you know, going out and attracted to older men. Is that part, do you think of the attraction is that they are open and on this different frequency, but then how do we, how do we have this conversation? I have a nephew who's 24 and I know his brain isn't even finished developing yet, but mm -hmm. do they have to wait until much later in life to start developing these skills or is there an easier way to, to get them there, you know, in their 20s and 30s? Well, let's see. Okay, a simple way of answering that. Because you said a lot, and I don't know if you know that you did. So, okay. You could, you could show the, them. I'm going to answer the, the female sign okay. first, and then, okay. and then the, mask, the male sign, okay? Beautiful. So, so if I was just going to talk about the phenomenon of younger women being attractive, attracted to older men, um, what causes attraction, especially sexual attraction, is the perception of strength. Mm. Now, the perception of strength can also cause the kind of attraction where we just feel safe and feel like we can be ourselves. And so this, so in an older man, an older, self-confident, resourceful, owns who he is man, Right, he's gonna he's gonna tick off perception of strength, um, depending on his relationship to his integrity, strength, intelligence, strength, resources, strength, 
Um, bad boys, bad boys are kind of strength. You don't go along with the crowd. You've got to be, you know, strong to do that. Right. So that can check it off. Um, and there's also an element where when there's an age difference like that, which I, my husband was almost 11 years older than me. It, what it contributed to was that he was so far beyond me in his career that there was no competition. Mm. I wasn't trying to compete with him. He wasn't, he was nothing but supportive of me. And it just naturally was that way because we were in the same industry and we weren't close to the same age and we weren't any of those things. Um, and old, older men are attracted to younger women because of vitality. So right. women's vitality literally, it's like a, it's like having a, a backup generator, you know, or an extra battery source. So our vitality energizes men. And as women, when we don't care for ourselves well, when we're um, allowing ourselves to feel accountable for everything in our environment and for all everybody's well-being and everybody's everything, which is very natural, instead of choosing I'm accountable for that. And no, that's not mine, not mine, not mine, not mine. It takes a lot of boundary setting. If we don't do that, we end up just, right? We have no vitality. And that has a lot to do with what's happening in our bodies, that vitality comes in large part from testosterone and estrogen. And half our testosterone comes from our, the eggs in our ovaries. And the eggs are disappearing like... I don't know, like people trying to flee a flee a disaster, and uh, <laughs> that is how it feels. I'm perimenopausal, yeah. and that is how that is beautifully yeah. said. Yeah, at a at right around age 29, which many women think it's because oh my gosh, I'm almost 30. Right around age 29, the disappearance of the ovum—they've just been dissolving, literally dissolving. Um, you know, menstrual cycles account for a tiny percentage of what happens to literally we have hundreds of thousands of eggs when we're born. And which is why little girls are estrogen bombs, right? They're so enchanting, all that estrogen in that little tiny body. So at right around age 29, the, the amount of estrogen and testosterone coming out of the eggs has reached critical levels and it sets off alarms in our brain. And that's what creates that panic. Mm. And yeah, and then, um, and then what happens is if we're used to operating at a really like intensely energetic, productive level, which most women in their in their mid to late twenties, early thirties are going like gangbusters, we're used to going at that level, which we used to have the fuel for, and now it's gone. We don't slow down. We just are now drawing on our adrenal glands instead of, because it doesn't come out of the eggs anymore. And so we just get worn, worn, worn down. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a little lesson over there. Um, men, men in their 20s. So the problem with men in their 20s is that they're not going to have a lot of the things that are percept perceived as strengths. Right. If they they don't have the resources, right? They don't have a status in the community. Um, they often are still figuring out what am I doing with my life, so they don't have certainty, which is perceived as a strength. Um, so it's hard for them to compete 
um, with older men, except they tend to be way more fun. <laughs> because at that stage of development, it's life is about um, developing skills, testing your skills, competing with others to check how far along are you on your skills. So they have this really intense competition, which is pretty sexually exciting. And they have a sense of adventure and conquest, and they just want to have fun, and let's have fun. And oh, by the way, let's have fun. And, and, and we need that because, and let's also have fun. And what else can we do that's fun? And um, yeah, and we need that. So women in their 30s, for example, will be attracted to men in their 20s because we're so dang serious. And we need them to lighten us up. And um, and back to your question about men at that age, I did a, a talk at a junior college, at a community college, and all the questions that the young men asked had to do with being androgynous, that they didn't identify with traditional masculinity, that they found themselves to be more peaceful mm. and more sensitive and more uh, less, you know, kill, conquer, drag home. And I, I don't, I don't see that universally, right? It just, I, but I did see it that night. And I don't think that the men who asked the questions were representative because most men very much in their testosterone <laughs> aren't going to, they're going to default to concealing. That's the default is to conceal anything that can be used against you. So someone with a high testosterone would not ask a public question. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Fair. so I, it's a, it is a small sampling, but masculinity has been so denigrated mm. in our society that it's, this may sound like a weird comparison, but it's kind of like being a Catholic priest. Catholic priests don't wear their Roman collars in public anymore because of what it's become associated with. It's right. lost all its dignity. Right. Which is cruel because they're some of the most amazing people. And masculinity has become so denigrated and toxic masculinity. And it's all these things that are said that are actually really inaccurate. Um, but it but young men have been ashamed to be masculine. And one of the things that you'll see in Tony's world, right? Um, when Tony's been teaching my stuff for about 15 years, he's touched He's taught hundreds of thousands of people my information. And I didn't have to pay him or anything. And um, <laughs> what a gem he is. <laughs> isn't it awesome? It's so awesome. Um, he, and, he and Dennis Prager, the ones that made me famous, which I had no intention to become. Um, let me just write my books. And, uh, but, you know, we saw it a date with Destiny, right? He's just such an encouragement for men to embrace their masculinity. Yeah. And um, which is good because there's so many beautiful things about masculinity. And it's interesting, I find as a woman, that we dig it. We dig getting to hunting mode. We want to produce results and kick some butt. And what is yeah. it that you, you said your, your subtitle is? And still... Uh, helping you rediscover your feminine energy and still crush it in business. And still crush it! I crushed it, right? We love that energy. Like, Amazing. Yes, we love it. But we don't understand it. 
You don't understand what those kids is. You don't know nope. how to get along with it. No. Nope. But but it's hot to be there in the sense of control and power, getting things done. And yeah, it feels over, amazing. Right? <laughs> yes. yes. It's true. And I, I want to touch on the one thing about Tony too, is that like when, now I've been following him for a long time and I've seen the not comfortable in his feminine, I would say version of himself. And probably in like the early 2000s, he was way more go, go, go. And like, I, I started going to the events, I guess, three years ago. So I've only live seen this version of the man who cries about every 15 minutes because something super beautiful has happened and then we all cry with him. But the thing that I wanted to mention is the, remember the exercise? Hmm? His brain is changing. Right. And when you said that, I was like, yeah, holy shit, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. When, remember when at Date with Destiny, when we were dancing, that was honestly the moment for me where I was like, oh, okay, I get this in my body now. I understand. And I was like, I didn't care who was where. I was dancing and it was so, I, I have playlists on my website to help women get into that. Cause that's how you get, when you get oh. in your body, that's it. But when he had the guys stand up and yell freedom, mm-hmm. when you're talking about it being hot, that hunter mode is hot for a woman. And I had no idea that was, I was absolutely taken like floored when I was like and I looked at my girlfriend's beside I was like that's hot and none of us really (laughs) understood why guys yelling freedom for no reason was hot but it was the confidence and these men just and you felt because you talk about safety and feminine energy and like when I'm able to feel safe that's when I release and I always use the word exhale like I can (sighs) exhale because that's really what I want to do. I can be in hunter mode for the businesses. And I love that. And you're right. It is amazing. It's so much fun. But when we're in relationships, there's a point where a woman, I feel we just want to exhale. And so that's my question then is how, because it feels like no one really knows what role they want to take or what they're supposed to take. When you're talking about men sort of hiding it like a, a Catholic priest, it's true because we have this idea that if you're a man, you're an asshole or you're toxic, or you're all these things. But like, if for the guys listening, because men listen too, it, what is there maybe like two or three ways that you can say, start to shift like this to show that you're not an a-hole and that you're this beautiful, strong, masculine man? Are there some ways that you think, you know, for a guy who's like, man, I really want to step up for this chick, but I'm afraid to, because I don't want her to think I'm X, Y, and Z. Is there any advice that you would give to that man at any age on how to really show up in this beautiful, mature masculine, I always say. Yeah, I actually, I can, uh, something that will cause just one thing. If they pay attention to one thing, they can eliminate a ton of conflict and upset, and they can be both strong and safe, which is, terribly attractive. (laughs) Um, So I think as we talk about our Understanding Women course, that safety and romance, when I ask women, what's romantic to you? I ask women, what makes you feel safe? They're the same things. Wow. Yeah. So things that make us feel safe have us want to make love. And um, so the thing, the thing to watch out for, and women do this too, but men have a way of doing it that's as annoying to us as the way women do it is annoying to them, to men. Okay. 
can't wait. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I know. I wonder if any people are guessing. Is it, what is it? What is it? So one of the characteristics of human beings is that we decide what other people need. We decide what they need, and then we make plans to provide what they need. And then we provide what we've decided they need, and then we expect to be appreciated. And um, it doesn't occur to us, maybe we should, uh, well, I know in the Tony world, clarify and verify, right? Like, okay, so I'm, it seems that this can be like the best friend of any man or woman. It seems like, it seems like you need some time alone. If I got that right, how can I support you? And if you need something else, please tell me. So it seems like you need. Instead of deciding and what comes off as really arrogant and controlling, um, in a woman we would call it mothering and controlling. Um, we don't like either one. Like as human beings, what we most want is to be able to decide what we need. <laughs> and it's one thing when you're in a partnership for a long time and you're like, I don't know what I need. You know me better than I do. What do I need? Right? But in most relationships, respect means you ask me what I need. You let me have a say in my life. You don't just spend your time and energy and resources on me and then I'm supposed to cough up the appreciation, which when you, if you'd asked me it, I would have told you not to do it, which is what most teenagers say to their mother. Right? <laughs> I sacrificed this and that and that for you. Like I didn't ask you to. I would have told you not to. Right. right. I didn't ask you to. We want to, we suck at asking. I mean, that's a human instinct. Don't ask and don't tell. If you can overcome that instinct, it seems like you need this. If, if I'm right, what can I provide? What's my part of that? How can I support you? And then listen. And make your plan based on understanding what they say about themselves instead of what you're deciding about them. That's how, as a woman, we can both end up being actually supportive. And as a man, we can be both strong and sensitive. And you know what's really interesting when you were saying that, what came up for me was uh, the ego has to be quiet in order to even ask the question, or say the statement, it seems like you need this because it's an admittance that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's a certain level of vulnerability that needs to happen, which is like, I always say that's in my heart. And, and it's fascinating because even as you're saying it, and I'm trying to picture my, myself saying it to Ken, it felt mm -hmm. a little bit like, hmm, I don't like that because ego right away was like, but I should know. Right. And when right. I don't say it, like if I ask him in that way, that means I don't know. And then there's a whole bunch of uncomfortable things that come up, but I'm, I'm catching it and I would say it, but it's, it was interesting. As you said that instantly, it was like my, the masculine in me was like, holy shit, I should know that though. Why do I even need to be clear at this? Yeah. Well, what's cool about it seems like is <laughs> you're not saying I don't have any idea or I haven't been paying attention. 
right? When you say it seems like, it seems like you need this, you have been paying attention, you have been working on this, you have been trying to solve a problem, and before you invest in the solution, you're checking with the most important person to check with. And yeah, the instinct, don't ask, don't tell, is all about don't reveal weakness. Don't reveal right. that you don't know, right? Don't reveal that you don't know. Um, anticipating a person's needs and providing it for them without them having to ask is this really baloney idea we have about that, that that's love. Right. And like we have a recording on our website called Loving More by Sacrificing Less. And it's all about this. It's all about, we call it the great give. Um, the, the best things you can give is actually the respect of asking someone, do you want me to give you this? Right. And uh, so if you say it seems like, then you can at least be giving yourself a some credit for that right. you've been thinking, you've been observing. You, it might be that you're right. You actually get to be right. Instead of, I have no clue what you need, could you tell me? What do you need? And often they don't, they're not clear what they need because they're so busy producing results. They haven't stopped to notice they need anything. Right. Um, I, I have a friend and I, I, I said, it feels like you need space. He was shocked. He absolutely needed space and he did not know who needed space. He was so thankful that I spoke up. And so we, there's something to contribute, but if you use it seems like, um, feels like is a different conversation that women use too much. It feels like you don't love me. Well, great way to stump a man. I can control your feelings, right? If you say it seems like you don't love me, really? What makes it seem that way? Because right. then it can fix that, right? Yeah. That seems fixable. Feelings are not fixable. Men are convinced feelings are not fixable, <laughs> and they've gotten too much trouble from trying to. So it seems like it seems like you need this. It seems like you don't love me. It seems like you're really busy. It seems like you're tired. It seems like it could help if I did this. So it's it's that middle ground, and it has humility in it mm. and care and. It, it's a little exposed, but not as exposed as I'm clueless. So, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's got a little bow on it. It's perfect. Okay, um, last question because I know we're we're getting close to the time that I have to let you go. I could keep you on here for days. Yes. So, <laughs> do you think? And this is more for the 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 women. Do you think that it's because here's what I've noticed, even when I'm doing any coaching or anything like that. Women will come to me and they'll be like, well, my husband won't do this. And I have some literature around helping a man feel inspired to do the thing. But it's often women will say, you know, they're, they're putting all the blame on the guy for not seeing and not seeing them and doing the things that they want. And so they're the ones who start this shift into discovering maybe where they're unbalanced. Do you think that, and, and I have my own opinions about this, obviously I'm in my masculine when I say that, but do you think both men and women in a relationship, let's say, do they both need to be working on this stuff together or could a woman go and start to rediscover and figure her things out and see all this and then influence the man into sort of kind of joining her at that level or because a lot of times the women are the ones who are seeking coaches or programs, all those type of thing. And the guy's like, I don't, I don't know why you're doing any of that. We're fine. What do you mean? And she's like, we're not. Do you think it's a team effort or can it be done one or the other? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
There, I obviously can't say one thing because you asked opposite questions, which is what we usually do. We ask two questions, but a yes to one would have to be a no to the other, so they can't just say, nobody can just say no. Um, <laughs> it's a classic thing that humans do. Humans do. Um, so I have to separate them in order to answer them. We were at it for, I think we were doing our workshops for 13 years before we ever did a course for men. So it was all women, all women transforming their relationship to themselves and to men and every man in their life, right? That they work with, that romantic brothers, fathers, sons, everything. Um, so definitely one person can transform a relationship. And I have men in our curriculum who their wives will not work on this. So they're the ones that are working on it. Um, and something to understand is that from an instinct, from instinct, a man is sure. It's not even sure. It's so at the instinctive level. His survival depends on being productive. And every cell in his body is saying produce results, produce results, produce results, produce results. For women, when we're in hunting mode, we'll be all about producing results. But when we're in gathering mode, which is natural, the higher our estrogen levels are, we survive by, by connection. We survive by feeling connected. And so we are always wanting to create connection and improve the quality of the connection. And in fact, we were so convinced that connection is it, it undermines us in business because we expect like to get the sale because of the quality of the connection. But people don't buy things because of the quality of the connection. They buy things because the thing fulfills their needs at the price they're willing to pay, right? But we think the connection will have them buy from me. That's a mistake. Um, so instinctively, we spend money on creating connection. I mean, we've been through a recession, a depression, the demise of the workshop industry, I mean, my business, which has been around since 1995, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter what was happening in the economy. Women are trying to prove the quality of their connections because that's how we instinctively think we're going to survive. So it's normal for men to not see the point of working on their relationship until, and there are men who want to have great relationships that are like they're just built that way from the beginning. But until they rewire, and then connection becomes super important, or until they're threatened with a divorce, which will wipe out the kingdom. Now, all of a sudden, that relationship is a result to produce. Fix it is a result to produce that, that matters, that registers. And then they come to me and spend more money than the women have ever spent. They just cough it up. And then if, a, if their woman is studying with me and improving their marriage, like, honey, what else can you do with Allison? What else can you do? Sure, I'll pay for you. I mean, so they, they and, and they've acknowledged women just publicly that, that we would work on this, that we would work on understanding them. They are so honored that we would do that. So, okay, I think I answered your question, which seems simple, but was it? <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens if one person doesn't? Is it just organically 
whatever happens happens or well no actually um when i say this i started studying men with the question what if men are responding to women mm -hmm. and i wanted to know if they were responding to women what were they responding to and and found out that men are basically responding the opposite of how women think they're responding. Right. So when you understand what a man's responding to, then you can provide the stimulus for the response you're looking for. So for example, what you were saying a while ago, I just did a show with Dennis Prager today about this, that the problem that we have, because whenever someone asks us for something we need, we're now a provider, and people who need things, their receivers, they stump providers. And the way that they stump providers and set providers up to lose and actually causes provider to just freeze is they state what they need in terms that are not actionable. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a man or a woman in hunting mode, that is action oriented, right? Get her done, crush it. And then somebody says, I need more attention. I need more help around the house. I need more affection. I need more, I need more sex. I need more appreciation. More. What the hell is more? How does one deliver more? Right. right? It's not actionable. In fact, it seems insurmountable that I will never be able to satisfy you. It'll right. always be more. So, so the trick, because, because men are responding to women and they, they want us, the only thing that you said is, it seems to you that men want to make women, men want to make women happy. Absolutely. They want to make us happy, but that is in the third instinct hierarchically. So before make you happy is protect you and protect right. the kingdom. So if a man won't provide what will make you happy, it's because he's protecting you. And so if ever a man is unwilling or he says no, the thing to do is go around and go, okay, what's he protecting? Oh, he's protecting his energy. Oh, he's protecting his time. He's protecting the retirement fund. He's protecting, <laughs> he says protect, my husband was always doing that. He says protect trumps provide. Every time to prevent, Trump, protect trumps provide. So it's when men don't experience any threat, any threat from their environment, any threat from the economy, which has been horrendous for them, right? Any threat from the person coming at them. When they don't experience any threat, they're just naturally in provide mode. Honey, what do you need? Sure, love to. Yeah, I can do that. But they have to have gotten from procreate, then protect, then provide. They have to be in that mode. And if we're constantly threatening them by, say, emasculating them, criticizing them, being an obstacle to them getting what they need, they never get in provide mode. And there are so many women who've never met men as I know men to be. And I didn't know them to be that because I was so busy attacking them. I'd never, I never saw providers. Ever. It just blew my mind. I need a nap now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's nap that time, everybody. <laughs> that was too intense. That made wow. the brain really work. Oh my gosh, relook at life every moment. Is wow. he protect or provide? Or is he creating? Create comes first. What kind of create? Oh, he wants to have sex. 
what can you create? He's building a business. That's using right. up all the sexual energy. <laughs> right. And then we go and shit all over them. And then we're like, why doesn't he want to have sex with me ever? Mm, well, because he's protecting his stuff. His stuff. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> um, what's next for you? Just more of the same beautiful things? Are you, I mean, you had to pivot. Um, well, we already had a hundred hours of online curriculum before wow. the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thrilled about that. But I'm doing this thing um, starting in September that I've never done. I'm really excited about it. It's called Smart, the Smart Singles Intensive. Oh. And it, yes. And it's four months of our online curriculum plus classes that I teach directly plus coaching from me, which I haven't done individual coaching for 10 years. And, um, it's, and it's, it's four months. It's just four months of go from being an instinctively driven goofball idiot, maybe afraid and hurt <laughs> in the realm of wanting to not be single, um, to be really smart and wise and informed about ourselves so that we make sure we're honoring ourselves, honoring ourselves, honoring ourselves. Wow. And then other people. And yeah, only 20 people get to be in it, but it's open to people who've never done any of my work. They just, they, it's, there are no prerequisites. They just have to apply. And, and they have to be single, I guess. Single they is important. They have to be single. We have our relationships intensive. I, yeah. I've been doing my first relationships intensive, which we'll do again next year. But so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the same information, but completely different context. That mm -hmm. Where can people find you if they want to connect? And if they want to do that course, maybe, yeah, I mean, I, I can name a hundred single people <laughs> happily sent to you. Um, but where can people connect with you? Um, well, that course will be open until, I don't know when this is broadcasting, but it's not going to be open until the middle of August for applications. Um, but understandmen.com, everything's at understandmen.com. And if they sign up for our mailing list, which I'd recommend, um, there's a sample right on the, the homepage of our Understanding Women course that if that's the only thing men and women know about women, they'll be light years ahead. And when, when you sign up to watch that, you end up on our mailing list and then you find out everything. But amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, this was, uh, it, it was everything I hoped it would be. It was amazing. And I really could talk to you for like, this could go on for several days. Um, yeah. and I'm so happy <laughs> that we connected and I'm, and I'm very humbled and appreciative that you did come on. I know, yeah. um, people want you constantly cause you're amazing. So thank you so much for spending the time with me and, um, and I will, Good, good. I'm glad. I, I had a lot of fun. hilarious, which is one of the most beautiful things ever. So thank you. Thank you. I love you. And I'm, uh, I, I will let you know the second this is live and, um, and you can watch how silly we've been. Oh, good. Oh, good. That'll be great. Awesome. Thank you, All right. Sarah. Thanks, Allison. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.